What's up, everyone? Welcome back to The Planet Today. Today is Monday, February 7th, 2022. I'm your host, Matt Norton, here once again with producer and co-host Nick Janusa. Nikki, how goes it? It goes well, Maddie. It is Super Bowl <laughs> week, baby. It is finally that time of year, which means next week, all of us dudes have to have a personality again because we won't have football to talk about. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. There's nothing to talk about with your coworkers after football ends. You yeah. go in and you just sit there and you talk about the weather. There's nothing else. Hey, you here. We might get that snowstorm on Monday, you know? <laughs> yeah, I'm not looking forward to it. Uh, I, I love football, but that just means it's basketball season for me. <laughs> also, happy birthday to Giselle. Her birthday was on Saturday. Woo! Happy birthday, buddy. Can't wait to have you on soon. Yeah, for sure. Happy birthday. And with that, let's get into the show. Welcome to the planet today. Here on TPT, we cover the latest in climate change, wildlife conservation, renewable energy, and environmental policy with two episodes every week coming your way Monday and Friday. This show is your one-stop shop for all things environmental, whether you're just diving into a green lifestyle or you're ready for some more involved conversations about what can be some complex topics. TPT has a little bit for everyone, so we're happy to have you as a listener. Yes, and like we say for every show, go rate the show on Apple and on Spotify. And if you have more than one phone, because you're crazy rich, do it on that phone too. Do it on every phone you got. Do it on the work do phone. Do it on your sister's phone. <laughs> do it on your brother's phone. Do it on your work phone. Find phones in the Apple store or at the Verizon store or wherever you're finding your phones and just subscribe and rate. Also, please leave us a review on Apple Podcasts while you're at it. Helps the show out a lot. All right, before we get into the show, our old documentary review style was not really our best um, we kind of just talked through what happened, broke down what we felt like discussing a little further, and we felt like for our listeners, it was too much plot summary and not enough discussion. So moving forward, we're going to read a summary of the film, provide some context as to why we chose it, and then break it down with some discussion questions. That way we just kind of talk about a movie the way you talk about a movie with your friends. <laughs> and with that, let's talk about National Geographic's The Last Ice on Disney+. Plus. National Geographic's About the Film section says, As the sea ice between Canada and Greenland melts, the outside world sees unprecedented opportunity. Oil and gas deposits, faster shipping routes, tourism, and fishing all provide financial incentive to exploit the newly opened waters. But for more than 100,000 Inuit who live in the Arctic, on and around the frozen ocean, an entire way of life is at stake. Development here threatens to upset the balance between their communities, land, and wildlife, leaving the future of this region and their culture increasingly uncertain. The Last Ice tells the story of Inuit communities fighting to protect the rapidly disappearing Arctic that has been their home for centuries. The film is directed by Scott Ressler and executive produced by Enric Sala, National Geographic Explorer-in-Residence and founder of National Geographic Pristine Seas. All right, Matt, now let's get into our discussion questions. Why did we choose this documentary? All right, so 
there was a couple reasons. The uh, first two are not as interesting, so we're just going to blow through those. Timely episode based on, you know, last Monday we talked about glacial ice and how it impacts the ocean with Giselle, which if you haven't listened yet, great episode. Go check it out. Number two, there's a lot of people with Disney Plus and there's a lot of people with Netflix and there's a lot of people with Hulu. So we want to try to get most of our films from there because I don't feel like we're going to do a service to our listeners if we're like, you can rent this movie for $5 while you're already paying for other (laughs) streaming services. So we're limiting our pool for a little bit. (laughs) The most important reason why we chose this was we wanted to learn more about the Inuit people because truthfully, I knew that they lived in the Arctic. I knew that they had a strong reliance on animals that have blubber because it provides warmth in a very cold climate. That was really all I knew about them. So this was very eye-opening, and I definitely learned a lot. Nick, how about you? Why were you interested in this one? Yeah, this one was interesting to me because I feel like that specific region, like, you know, northern Canada, Greenland, it's kind of like the most underreported places in the world. Like, you don't hear too much news out of it, you know? Like, there's not too much going on. Obviously, there's not as many people up there, but still, you know, they're being affected the same way that we are by climate change. And what better way than to, to check out this documentary? Yeah. And honestly, more so than we are, because we always talk about the polar ice caps are melting. And as the glaciers melt, the sea level is going to rise. Exactly. These are people that live right near there. So they're experiencing the things that we just hear about. Exactly. So yeah, that was, that was a really good point. So with all of our documentaries, we want to watch something that's either relevant or will continue to become increasingly relevant. So the next question is, why is this documentary important? I mean, for me, I think it's because this is a firsthand account as, you know, how climate change in the Arctic is affecting real people with real families and, you know, real everyday lives. Yeah. It's something that we don't often think about. I know you literally just mentioned this, but it's very underreported that there's real people that live in these regions that, you know, when, when people talk about the polar ice caps melting, you're thinking of polar bears floating on small pieces of ice. Yeah. You're not thinking about the 100,000 people that live up in Nunavut in Canada or Greenland. And those are real people with real stories. Like you said. Yeah. Yeah. For me, there were, three main reasons that I felt this was important. And the first one is adaptation to climate change. So you're seeing a culture that is already shifting the way that they have to live because of the ongoing impacts of climate change. I mean, one of the first things that they they bring up is that there used to be ice between Greenland and Canada that people would ride across on a dog sled and the indigenous cultures there were very connected And now they're not anymore. And a lot of that has to do with it's harder to get back and forth now. Another thing I wanted to bring up was indigenous people's rights. So whether it's here in the U.S., Canada, wherever, colonialism has really screwed over native peoples by taking away their right to self-governance and then exploiting the people, often forcing them off their land. But this is something that, look, indigenous people's rights are always going to be important because we are always going to have to fight for them until our government and governments around the world recognize them as equal to us in the law. And the third thing that 
I think makes this film extremely important. It's not really addressed, but it's the implication of climate refugees. As sea ice continues to melt and as livable land in the Arctic becomes less and less abundant, this is a region where we're probably going to have a lot of people looking for a new place to live. And if you're interested in the idea of climate refugees, there's a lot of different regions that are going to need places to live. We talked about the Maldives last week, Yeah, how they're basically building up new islands to get ready to shift all of their people to. Not every country is going to be able to do that because they don't have as abundant of a tourism sector as the Maldives. So where are those people going to live? Yeah, it's a great question. And, you know, your, your point about colonialism, I remember the part in the documentary where they basically, the Canadian government came in and tried to basically put them in these teaching camps. Yeah. That was just so screwed up to me that you're like, hey, this is the way that we want you to live. We know how you're living now. We want to like make you more essentially white. Like you're going to go to schools. You're going to, you know, you're going to basically live the same ways that American kids do. And that to me is just like wild logic to be like, hey, we're going to come in here and insert ourselves and you have to live this way now. Yeah. And to your point, they were showing film from a black and white documentary. I'm not sure what the year was. I don't remember if they said it, but just the attitude that people had towards the Inuit people. It's like they just got into the 20th century now. And it was after, you know, other countries came in with development and they were coming in and basically stripping oil from the land. They're like, now they're in the 20th century. Like, no, they've always been in the 20th century. It just means something different to them. Their culture is different. That doesn't make them beneath us because they were doing a lot of things like, I don't know, surviving in the Arctic, which I have a comfy winter jacket. That's not going to be enough to help me survive in the Arctic. Yeah, absolutely. Like they're doing things that we can't do. So I wouldn't say that they're beneath us or whatever. And that was kind of the attitude that, a lot of colonizing nations had towards indigenous people around the world. Yeah. It's screwed up. Like they're basically just trying to live their lives. So, all right, Matt. So what were some important environmental takeaways that uh, you had? So for me, I I thought it was interesting. And this kind of goes back to what we were talking about on Friday with wildlife management and environmental stewardship. The Inuit people had been doing wildlife management before European influence in the Arctic. One of the men in the film talks about how the world would be further ahead if the rest of the world had a similar relationship with nature as the Aboriginal peoples do. And look, it just comes back to the idea of we live here, we need to take care of it because we're part of this ecosystem. And if we exploit it, it's not only going to influence the native plants, the native water, the native animals, it's going to impact us. Yeah. So I really, really thought that with the Inuit people that are highlighted here, and honestly with just indigenous people around the world, environmental stewardship seems to be a really big part of all of their cultures. Yeah. And yeah, I just, I really found that admirable and it was cool that they highlighted that. Yeah, I, I totally agree. And the environmental takeaway that, that I had from it was if we allow big companies to come in and drill for oil and come to the Arctic for the sake of tourism or give European companies the green light to quicken transportation to the other side of the world, we're going to leave the Arctic basically uninhabitable and 
their way of life completely destroyed. Like they're, they're not going to have any quality of life. Yeah. A hundred percent. And the thing about it is like they, they mentioned in the movie, a quarter of the world's untapped oil is in the Arctic. And that sucks to find out for the reasons that you just mentioned, because more companies are going to try to come in. Hell, more countries are going to try to come in. Yeah. And we talk about, you know, this leapfrogging effect where if we can help developing nations get on board with renewable energy quicker and sooner, whether it be through technological or monetary support, we can help save the environment. But this is something where, look, if we help save the Arctic because we're getting more people off this carbon economy and into renewables, it provides a way to save the people and their culture that are there. Right. So it just, this documentary really just raised the stakes for me for, you know, what are we doing here? It did, absolutely. Another thing I wanted to bring up is the Arctic char, just in passing. The the fish that, I forget the woman's name, but she said it's one of her favorite things to eat. Um, you could see the old bright red char in those pictures, and now it's this like beige, light pink, and they said it's changing because of what the char is eating. And what they're eating is changing because of what's available due to climate change. So it was just another thing that you realize, yeah, there's a lot going on here. Yeah, and even when they, they're pulling up... Um I believe it's some seal and they're, they're basically cutting them open and, and he can, he says, you know, this part of the, of the seal is, is polluted. You know, we can see it's, it's got like some, it's like white flesh almost. It does not look yeah uh, the same as the rest of the flesh. And they, they basically have to cut it up and either give it to their dogs or, or throw it away. You know, like they, they still have to eat it and it's, it's shitty to see. Honestly, it's, it's hard to see. Yeah, there was a lot of different environmental takeaways that I had. And what's interesting is those were like the least important takeaways that I had from this film. This was really a story for me about a people and about their culture and their way of life. Exactly. And yeah, that's what we're going to get into right after the break. Today's episode of The Planet Today is brought to you by Vala Alta. Vala Alta's Everyday Handkerchief is a high-performance daily-use handkerchief designed to help minimize your impact. Made in the United States from sustainably sourced Irish linen, capturing the material's historic craftsmanship and natural antimicrobial properties, handkerchiefs perfectly balance softness with durability and absorbency with rapid drying. Ideal for functional use in all settings, from the outdoors to routine encounters, their small and lightweight design makes one a must-carry for wherever life takes you. Build your own bundles from limited edition colors at valaalta.co and save 15% with code TPT at checkout. That's V-A-L-A-A-L-T-A dot co and code TPT. Welcome back to the planet today. We're going to continue our conversation about National Geographic's The Last Ice. Nick, we mentioned at the start that we wanted to learn more about the Inuit people and their culture. So what are some of the things that you learned from this film? I think the main thing was, you know, that although me and you are obviously very different from Inuit people, we still have a lot in common. There's there's multiple scenes throughout the whole documentary, um, but some that stuck out to me were 
the scene where they're having the family get together and they're playing like traditional music and they're singing songs. Like they got like four guitars out, like everyone's playing music and stuff. That was just like a really awesome, like relatable moment. Yeah. I, I just thought it was super cool. The next one is the scene where Alec goes to his local pub and just pounds a couple of Heinekens. Like that was just extremely relatable to me. Like he's just having a great time with his buds. You know, some of the things you're bringing up, you could say for any culture, like the more different we can be in certain aspects, we're also still very similar. Like almost every culture I could think of, you know, there's strong family ties and strong tradition and heritage. And this is another one of those things where their traditions may be different than ours different than some of our listeners, different than other people across the world, but we have a lot of similarities. Yeah, exactly. And that actually piggybacks exactly off of what I wanted to bring up next, which is they're all extremely dedicated in keeping the tradition alive and their ancestors play a massive part in why they do what they do. Yeah. I thought that was really cool. Yeah, one of the things that their ancestors kind of instill on each further generation is one of my main takeaways, and we mentioned it earlier, but environmental stewardship is huge here. So I want to just bring up some of the things that they mentioned throughout the film. So Inuit people are not hunting animals just to kill them. They're doing it to eat, to use their skin, and to survive. Alex says the traditional way to cut a seal that they pass down from generation to generation is that every hunter gets a share. And basically, they're not above nature. They're not above animals. They seem to view themselves as part of the ecosystem, which is, in my opinion, the right way to think of it. Because Mm. even as we get less involved in nature and some people gravitate more towards cities, like we're still a part of this ecosystem and this greater ecosystem. Yeah. So I I really like the idea of acknowledging that and acting accordingly. Yeah. And that's a great point because it's so easy to forget, especially when you're living in a city. Like I am buying food from farms. Like most of the time you're probably buying food from food that was produced on a farm or, you know, in a, whatever, in a factory, whatever the case may be. But no matter what it's being produced, you know, for you. And these are real animals that are, that are being used in order to to provide you food on your table. Yeah. And, and it's, easy to forget how connected we are sometimes because you go to the grocery store and you pick up a hamburger or whatever, and you think of it as a hamburger. But for the Inuit people that are spotlighted here, they see the seal and they acknowledge the seal, how it's given their life so that they can survive. And they don't think of it as, you know, a seal burger or whatever. It's seal. It's more like the way we talk about fish when we order that than it is if you were to order pork because pork isn't the same thing as a pig, right? Like it is, but we forget that. And it's easy to forget that. Yeah, exactly. It's like further removed. Yeah. And in speaking about grocery stores, one of the big things that they brought up was food insecurity, which is a huge issue in none of it in Canada, where many people don't have access to food or nutritious food at grocery stores. They said almost half of none of its population is food insecure. And they show you a grocery store where it's 12 bucks for a carton of orange juice. This is a story that, again, is kind of underreported because before this documentary, I didn't know any of this. Yeah, seriously. Like to think that you have to pay 12 bucks for orange juice. What are your meats going for? You know, like what are your, yeah, you know, even just produce? Like it's got to be an arm and a leg. And 
for a, a place that's probably not the wealthiest place on earth, it's it's got to be almost impossible to to eat food. You have to supplement it with some sort of hunting. Yeah. It's also wild how recently the Inuit people were colonized and forced into those relocated communities by both the Canadian and Danish governments. That started in 1920. That's only 100 years ago. Jeez. And the footage that they showed was awful to watch, to be honest. And it's awful to think that here in the U.S., we did the same thing to Native Americans. We forced them off their land and we made them live on reservations. We just didn't have the footage to show people this is what we're doing. Yeah, it, it's honestly so embarrassing for Americans and, and Canadians in this case, too, to to have done that to a group that literally just wanted like the most basic elements of life. And like we took that away. Yeah. And unfortunately, this is a tale as old as time. And that's not to say, oh, it's tradition. You know, we've always been doing this. It's just the way it is. Some traditions suck and some traditions need to get changed. And this is one of them where conquering a land and forcing people to adhere to what your culture is like that doesn't make you better. And just because everyone else has been doing it, it doesn't make it right. So to watch it in real time where there's footage of people getting forced off their land was really difficult. Yeah. Hard to watch, like just screwed up, hard to watch something that should never happen ever again. So this film deals a lot with the effects of climate change. So let's talk about what this all means for the Inuit people. So one of the big things here for me was one of the men in the film says, I think there will still be ice while I'm alive, but everything is changing. And it's so scary to think about like, you know, will your home still be here during your lifetime? We always talk about climate change as a, oh, it's a future generation problem. Oh, it's your grandkids. No, it's, it's not. It's, it's us now. And for some people that are in areas where it's going to get impacted harder, faster, it's happening right now to a point where they don't know. And that's so scary. It, it really is, dude. And I, I always just like go back to Miami because it's it's probably the closest that I can think of in terms of like, you know, being really, really affected by sea level rise the quickest. Mm-hmm. But if you have family members in, in Miami, like you can only imagine what you're probably feeling. Like it's it's a ticking time bomb. And unless we really do something to change it, you know, you're, you're not going to be able to have kids in the, in the place that you grew up. Yeah, agreed. And another thing that really stuck out to me was how development has led to sea ice melting. And they showed more of that old documentary where the white man comes in and starts developing parts of the Arctic and how they speak and how they dress. And then other countries start to come in. So China, Russia, Korea to develop the Arctic for oil and gas. So they start to break through that Arctic passage. So it's not just melting ice that's impacting the culture. It's the forceful breaking of ice by other people. Yeah. And to that point, there was multiple times in in the documentary where they would show these consistent shots of big like icebreaker ships that were basically just plowing through the Arctic with no regard for anything, just completely tearing up the ice. Yeah. Just opening that passage. Yeah. it, It was super hard to watch. All right, Nick, last discussion question. Is there anything else you want to say about this film? I would just say that it was captivating. Like I had no urge to check my phone or get up or do anything. Like I was completely engaged 100% of the time. And I thought it was honestly really great. Yeah, I think part of that has to do with the cinematography of it all. Like this was, I think, my ideal documentary style. The music, the pace and tempo of the film, like it just, it really, really kept me drawn in. Yeah. 
I also really liked the old black and white documentary in the beginning to kind of show the contrast between, you know, less impactful documentaries and documentaries of today. And, you know, that, that first scene where they show it, it's very colonizer where the narrator is kind of interviewing Inuit people and being like, wow, look how interesting and how different they are from me. But the rest of the documentary, like the, the Nat Geo part of it, it felt more of a learn about this unique way of life kind of thing. It wasn't about differences or about like, I need to tell you what is going on. Here is a question for this person who's different. It was just let people tell their stories. And I think not having a narrator is the best way to do that when it comes to other cultures that you might not know about, because sure, there's a director and there's editors that are still forming a narrative, but there's no narrator explicitly saying things. You're just letting the people tell the story that they want to tell. Yeah, that's a great point. Like it, the entirety of the of the documentary was let's hear what they have to say. Let's see what a day in the life is like. And they did a great job of, of really capturing that. Yeah. I would also like to bring up the last scene in the film where one of the women says, I remember hearing a story about my grandmother giving birth to one of my aunts and the sea ice was breaking. So she gave birth right there, picked up her baby and kept going. And it kind of left us with this hopeful and resilient feeling for the Inuit people. That being said, the odds are kind of stacked against them here because sea ice is going to melt more frequently with climate change. So this isn't the one-off like, oh, the ice cracked. This is a greater, the ice is melting situation. So it's a good thing that they're resilient and it's a good thing that it leaves us off on a hopeful note, but it's not enough to just say, we've always got through it in the past, so we'll continue to get through it. This is one of those things that, you know, it's eye-opening and it makes you want to say, let's do what we can to protect the polar ice caps because these are real people. Yeah, hundred percent. I mean, and, and like you just said, it's, it's not a time to be, you know, complacent and say, you know, we'll, we'll get through it. We'll, we'll do the best that we can. Like there should be action and not only on the behalf of the Inuit people, obviously it, it's going to take more of, you know, a, a world effort to really make the change that, so that these people can continue to live the lives that they want to in this land. Yeah. Global problems require global solutions. Absolutely. All right, Maddie. And before we close out things for the day, let's do the same three questions we close all of our reviews out with. So first off, what was the most impactful scene for you? The scene towards the end where the ice breaks with a dog sled on it, um, that howling was just heartbreaking. And watching all the people scramble to try to get all the dogs out of the ice was just tough. And as ice melts, stuff like that, that scene is going to continue to keep happening. Yeah, that was mine as well. Um, brutal to watch. I could not look away, but I wanted to so badly. Like it, it just broke my heart to see, you know, the dogs in, in, in that kind of pain, just like freezing. And then obviously the one that had passed. But yeah, that was just a nightmare. Yeah. All right. What was your key takeaway for this documentary as a whole? Yeah, I think my key takeaway for the documentary was that we need to protect those who may be losing their homes due to climate change and especially those communities who are underrepresented. Yeah, mine kind of piggybacks off of yours. Uh, for me, it's that there's so many untold stories in the climate crisis, and this was one for me. Like, we talk about glacial melt. We talk about the polar ice caps, but we rarely talk about the people who live there. 
So like you said, those communities that are underrepresented, those underreported stories, this is just one of many. Exactly. It, it gave context to, you know, all the stuff that we read about, about the Arctic. So yeah, for that, I thought it was, it was great. Agreed. So on a scale of wouldn't recommend to, I loved it. What would you rate the last ice? I'm going to rate it. I loved it because everyone should see it. I, I think it was a super important introspective of their lives and, and what they go through on a daily basis. And I thought it was perspective building and extremely informative at the same time. Yeah, I agree. I absolutely love this. This was one of the best documentaries we've watched for TPT, in my opinion. Um, I definitely learned a lot and I really, really appreciate, like I said before, having no narrator because, you know, you get more of a feel for the raw stories that people are telling without somebody being like, this is what they're saying, right? Yeah, exactly. (laughs) All right. That'll do it for today's episode of TPT. Nick and I will be back on Friday for some more of those quick hitting stories that you know and you love from us. Yes, and make sure to follow along on our socials at Planet Today Pod for clips from the show and also an exclusive quick hit Matt is doing every week. I am absolutely cooking up clips right now. So come check them out. They are fun. They are time consuming. <laughs> Please validate me. Bobby Flay with the <laughs> clips, boy. <laughs> for the Planet Today, I am Nick Janusa. And I'm Matt Norton. See you on Friday. Peace. Peace.